Dr. Robert Shapiro. Dr. Shapiro is chairman of Sonicon. They're an economic advisory firm. He's internationally known as an economist. He's advised, among others, President Bill Clinton, Vice President Al Gore Jr., British Prime Ministers Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, and when they were senators, our current president, Barack Obama, and hopefully our next president, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Dr. Robert Shapiro, more than a pleasure to have you back. How are you doing, Dr. Shapiro? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing fine, Leslie, and it's great to be back. Dr. Shapiro, you know, James Carville had said uh, quite rightly back before uh, Clinton was president and then when he was up for re-election, it's the economy, stupid. And in the last election of the midterms, all of us were like, well, if that's true, and I do believe it to be true, how can we have the outcome we had? And you and I had talked about that. But yeah. we have big elections on the horizon, big as in presidential an election in 2016. And you wrote a great piece entitled The 2016 Elections Will Be All About Incomes. Now, yes. when people say it's all about incomes, is that what people are thinking when they think the economy? Well, um, I think that's what that's how most Americans judge the economy is by their income. And <clears throat> is their income going up? Is their income going down? That, of course, leads to do they have a job? And so, you know, the unemployment rate matters, too. Or are they optimistic about where their incomes are going? What I believe has been happening is that, you know, we have had six successive, I think it's six, five or six, successive wave elections. Started in 2006, we had a wave for the Democrats in 2006, another wave for the Democrats in 2008, a wave for the Republicans in 2010, a wave for the Democrats in 2012, and a wave for the Republicans again in 2014. And I think underlying this, this is very unusual to have not only so many successive wave elections, but to have successive wave elections which go back and forth between the parties. And underneath this, I think, uh, has been a new income dynamic, which um, uh, I just finished a study of this. It came out from Brookings, from the Brookings Institution about two weeks ago, uh, if anyone wants it online from there or from me. Uh, and what it shows is that the 1980s and 1990s in terms of incomes were much better than is conventionally understood, and the period since 2000 has been much worse than is conventionally understood. What I did that was unusual about this study is I didn't simply look at the median income of everybody over time. Rather, what we did was we constructed what are called wage cohorts. And we tracked people's incomes as they aged. So we would look at households headed by 25-year-olds in 1975 and 26-year-olds in 76 and 27-year-olds in 77, et cetera. And we would track them over 30 years. And it's a very labor, <laughs> it's a very data labor-intensive process. But uh, the fact is it gave very startling results that... Um, in fact, incomes rose very, very sharply and steadily and reliably through the 1980s and the 1990s. And this was true across every demographic group, female-headed households, male-headed, white, black, Hispanic, college-educated, high school diploma, even high school dropouts. 
um, they made strong income progress through the 1980s and 1990s. And then across the board, it stops. And in the 2002 to 2007 expansion and in the current expansion, those kinds of income gains have just disappeared. And in fact, um, over this whole period, uh, the period of 2002 to 2013, um, the, uh, between half and two-thirds of the country, of households in the country, have seen significant income declines as they aged. That means, for example, 50% of American households are headed by people with high school diplomas, uh, 50%. And um, from 2012 to 2000, from 2002 to 2013, their incomes, as they aged, declined by a little under 1% a year. And that means that if a someone, a, a man or woman who's the head of the household in 2002 at age 30, by the time he or she was 41 in 2013, they were making about 12% less than they made when they were 30. That's a very startling finding. No, most definitely. And it's, um, uh, you know, women and minorities in particular made enormous progress in the 80s and 90s. You know, for example, under Clinton, Clinton, I looked at this both in terms of the expansions and in terms of the uh, presidential administrations. Um, the fact is that of the last five presidents in terms of incomes, uh, income growth, um, Clinton uh, comes out number one, Reagan comes out number two. Um, at the very bottom, number four and five of the last five presidents are the two Bushes. Um, and President Obama is comes out number three. Um, uh, and uh, But if you looked at, for example, female-headed households under Clinton, um, they were growing younger households, that is, households headed by women in their mid-20s to maybe 40. Well, Robert, Robert let, me, let, let, me, let me cut let me cut, a year. Let, let me cut in and ask you two things. Because yeah. of the age of the people at that time with Bill Clinton and the po- possibility or probability of Hillary Clinton running and name recognition being the number one reason people vote for someone, do you think that Hillary gets, in a sense, some mentally good marks among people who remember the good times under her husband? Well, I think that, you know, I don't know whether whether the what – yeah, I think to some extent, yes. But I think the main thing is she can make a very good case. <laughs> the case is um, Democrats improve the economy. Um, the last administration I was directly involved in – um, had the strongest economy, the longest expansion, and the strongest income gains across the board of any any administration of the last 35 years. Uh, so, I th- and I think if she ends up running against Jeb Bush, uh, that would be a particularly powerful argument because the two Bushes uh, had such weak records with respect to incomes. But 
what we have to recognize here is that this suggests real structural changes in the economy. This is not just about the financial crisis, because we had this problem in the 2002-2007 expansion. Um, And it's not simply about Republicans versus Democrats. The fact is, yes, it's true that Obama's record is is number three out of the five behind Clinton and Reagan. Now, and but I want to ask behind. you that. You said that economies thrive or do better, um, you know, are more successful under Democratic presidents. Yet number two is Reagan. He's not. He wasn't a Democrat, although definitely no. more of a moderate Republican than most Republicans like to remember him as. Yes. Well, the fact is that um, most of this is not about policy. Most of this is about structural changes in the economy. And um, the fact is, I mean, one of the fascinating things about Reagan versus Clinton is that with respect to income growth, the differences in their policies had no effect on incomes. The incomes are stronger under under Clinton because Clinton's expand not because Clinton's expansion was stronger than Reagan's, but because it was longer than Reagan's. Um, you know, uh, Reagan's was really just as strong the '80s expansion as the '90s expansion, but it was shorter. And whereas Clinton's was both strong and very long. But the fact is. While they disagreed on many things, where they disagreed in economic policy, which would mainly be tax policy, tax rates, um, that appears to have no effect on incomes. It has social effect, but it doesn't affect the rate of growth of incomes. Uh, And there were a lot of things they did that were similar economically. Socially, they were very different. Uh, but Robert, we're going to take a Robert. We're going to take a break. We'll talk about social at the very different. Take some calls, share some tweets, and more right after this. Doctor okay. Robert Shapiro is our guest, world-renowned international uh, economist who has advised former President Clinton, former Vice President Al Gore, our current President Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and uh, both of the prime ministers in the UK. And we are back. Dr. Robert Shapiro, chairman of Sonicon, economic advisory firm, internationally known economist. And like I said, he's at Vibe Star president uh, currently and hopefully our next president, Hillary Clinton. I'm bad. Uh, Dr. Shapiro, uh, we're talking about the elections being all about incomes. You talked about social value. If you could tell us that and then we'll get to some uh, calls. Sure. Um, The, you know, most social issues are not about how fast incomes are growing overall, but about the distribution of those incomes. So that, for example, one of the findings is that the gap between the difference between the incomes of female-headed and male-headed households of the same age as the difference in how fast their incomes grow as they age um, that over this period, uh, the gap has stayed pretty constant, which means that the income of female-headed households was growing faster, uh, was growing at the same rate as male-headed households. But in the 1990s, 
the incomes of female-headed households grew much faster than male-headed households. And so you had a redistribution to female-headed households. And then in the last 13 years, it got reversed again. And male-headed households were growing much faster. So that's a social policy result. That um, And I think, actually, it's a... Uh, I don't know if it's a matter of, po- of result of policies, but the fact is one of the great advantages or benefits of an unusually long expansion like Clinton had, um, and one of the problems with shorter expansions is that the long expansion brings everybody back into the labor force eventually. And that's what was happening with um, – both with minority households in the 90s, with female-headed households in the 90s, and in particular with um, uh, households headed by high school dropouts and high school graduates, that is, was creating very, very broad opportunity. And that has social consequence. Um, So that's kind of the difference here. It's a fine distinction, I suppose, but... Uh, but it clearly matters. Um, Absolutely, as uh, so many other things do too, Robert. How does one frame a masterpiece? If it's a painting, some wood and gold leaf will do. But what about a masterpiece of the edible variety? Like Boar's Head Oven Gold Turkey. Crafted from a family recipe, seasoned with savory spices and then slow-roasted until it's fork-tender and brimming with flavor. So, what could frame such a masterpiece? Perhaps a little bread would do. Boar's Head. Compromise elsewhere. <laughs>